0: I'm Kim, and welcome to Sotork's podcast, We Can't Eat the Sunshine, for the month of August 2017. Join us for an episode dedicated to the vibrant, historic, and soulful neighborhood of Boyle Heights, centered on the southeast corner of 4th Street and Camulos. We'll talk with Yolanda Diaz, who recently purchased Ray and Roy's Market, which was founded by a Japanese father and son after internment. Yolanda has a fresh new vision for this community hub, which includes inviting 15-year-old Isabel Pinada to create an ambitious hand-painted mural about female empowerment on the market's long west wall. What won't change? The vintage walk-in freezer, which famously serves the coldest beer in Boyle Heights. So stay tuned. You can't
1: eat the sunshine, but you can make a beeline for the best of the coastline. La 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 la. Solano Canyon, the Doria, and Pico Union, the long-lost neighborhood, called Hermin, between South Pass and Highland Park, Grand Central Park. It is divine, you can't eat the sunshine, but it's a gold mine.
2: Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast, You Can't Eat the Sunshine, for the month of August 2017. Our, at this episode, we'll have interviews with Yolanda Diaz. She's re- recently purchased Ray and Roy's Market, which was founded by a Japanese father and son after their internment in World War II. We'll also speak with Isabel, Isabel Pinado. She is a 15-year-old muralist whom Yolanda has invited to create an ambitious hand painted mural about female empowerment on the market's long west wall. So it's gonna be so this is this is our this is our Boyle Heights episode. So so Kim, in anticipation of everything as the Pishka Maven, please take it away.
0: It's so nice to be back, Richard, and to be focused on one really interesting intersection. Yes, I am the Pishka Maven and I am here to say if you dig what we do this podcast and elsewhere, and you'd like to make a contribution to assist in our explorations of Southern California lore, uh, you're always welcome to make a contribution into our digital tip jar. It's never obligatory, but always so appreciated. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to have a chili riano burrito on one of our fans. We're always very grateful, and we, and we raise a cup of good strong tea to you when we do so. So check it out if you'd like to give us a little something. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
2: Perfect. Okay, so um, we're back, and and first things first. After once we get through the pishka, we get to closely watched trains. Okay. We so haven't been we, in the
0: train yard for a while, Richard. It's kind of a long list.
2: I know, I know. You, Yugoslavia is very busy. I know. Um, you it, the the film closely watched trains. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always forget yeah, the it's, it's it's reference. No, it's it's the Chuckle of... Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Um go on. So okay, so we're going to uh Kim, I think we have
0: Several.
2: Eight. So we're gonna try and get through <laughs> these. We usually have four. So um we okay so let's so we'll just do this thing. so we'll so so we'll just start. Kim, uh, Angels Flight.
0: Yeah, you know, Angels Flight is about to reopen. I have to pat you on the back for that, Richard. Your your public policy scorecard really played out beautifully. Asking the mayor to get involved and to perhaps help get this little privately owned funicular going again, and he found this corporation that wanted to become the operators. Um, international firm ACS and so by the end of the summer Angel's Flight will be running again and sort of in sync with this whole new focus on the funicular and old Bunker Hill and getting this baby running again has been the abandoned quote-unquote park Angel's Knoll which is the property just to the south on Hill Street at 4th and after a lot of marketing over the years by the CRA which was never able to find a buyer to put a high-rise on the site. You know, it sort of became a de facto community park and was much beloved. And in 500 days of summer, they sat on the bench up there. It's been fenced off for a long time, and the deterioration of Angel's Flight has certainly been felt over there on the park site. Well, it ain't going to be a park no more, kids. There are four firms that have been selected to submit their proposals for redeveloping. But... And this is a really positive thing, as concerned as I am about what's going to happen and what the new face is going to be like. uh, Angel's Flight is now an incredibly prominent part of Angel's Knoll. Uh, Its existence and its reactivation was part of the marketing that was put out in that RFP. And every firm that is putting their proposals together is going to have to respond to its uh, close association, physical and historical, to Angel's Flight. So I think we're going to see some really interesting ideas about how to integrate a brand new, mm, very high, uh, multi-use, high-rise development with our historic funicular
2: Perfect. Love it. Very good. We're just going gonna to keep moving along. The Tamale, Kim, the Tamale in East Los Angeles, one of our, our no- most notorious closely watched trains. It's back on the market.
0: Yeah, maybe we should just put wheels on it and push it down the street. Back on the market, kids. Somebody out there within the sound of my voice wants to own a Tamale-shaped building on Whittier Boulevard by the Montebello-East Los Angeles border, right? It's the only giant tamale in the world. There's a house in back. You can rent the house out or you can live in it. You can run the tamale shop. Uh, I don't know. You know, it can be landmarked, unfortunately, you know. Are, 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 are,
2: are, don't, don't say, no, don't no. say unfortunately. No,
0: I, I, I'm, I'm just saying we were remiss. We haven't submitted a landmarking application, but the county's new... Um, Landmarking ordinance No, to rec- no, buyers. no.
2: Stop, no? Kim. We've, we have we, we, are, we are not remiss at anything. We've had lots of meetings about this with lots of entities. I
0: know.
2: Okay. And and so we're waiting to see what our next step is. Correct. Okay. And the uh, best
0: thing that we can do is tell people, go to esoteric.com slash tamale, learn about the site, and think about picking it up. At the moment, it is in a, a slightly more precarious place than it was before but it's also a better opportunity the tenants in the retail section in the front are gone now so there's no one there all day keeping an eye on it we did drive by the other night and a couple of people seem to be using it as their front porch I'm not sure where they came from but the tamale needs some people in it and uh, please spread the word it's a terribly important roadside attraction and uh, a rather beautiful and delightful and fun place that could be very lively once again
2: Perfect, fantastic, moving right along Kim the Victory Grove in Elysian Park.
0: Yeah, this was a nice little community preservation project spearheaded by our friend Cortland Jindra who came to us as a representative of the World War I Centennial Commission, which has kind of a small presence in California. They haven't uh, really managed to build as much of a footprint as has happened in some of the other parts like, of the country. Like Kansas City. Like Kansas City, which has the giant World War I Memorial Museum. But Cortland is such a go-getter, and he's really done some wonderful events, memorial events at the Coliseum, and he wanted to find a site. One of, he's, he's mapping the World War I memorials in L.A., of which there are so many more than you might realize, like Victory Boulevard, um, Pershing Square, that one we knew. And he wanted to find one and fundraise and restore it during this the centennial year of uh, America's entry into the war. And he found Victory Grove on the edge of Elysian Park, this really rather wonderful serpentine uh, forest that has been largely neglected, and with a lot of help from a really terrific team coming from many disparate areas and getting support from Wreck-and-Parks, they were able to clean 50 layers of paint, anti-graffiti and graffiti, off of this lovely stone monument, clean up the um, walkways, plant some new butterfly-friendly uh, flowers, and even discover... Um, buried under a lot of refuge and, and leaves, one of the memorial markers for a tree. Uh, for, for generations, Angelinos would come to the site and put memorial trees up for people who had been lost in World War One. It's been forgotten because, you know, I guess a lot of those people just died off or moved away. But it's, it's really quite charming that so many people have come together and brought it back and created just a lovely little space. I recommend visiting it and uh, staying tuned.
2: Perfect. Okay, great. Take a sip of tea. North, east, intersection of Afton and Vine, Oni Group and a National Register District collide.
0: You know what, baby? I'm going to let you do this one.
2: Okay. Well, so. No? No. no.
0: Okay. Um, Oni Group is a Vancouver-based developer that is just suddenly so interested in Los Angeles. They're actually one of the successful um, competitors for the Angels Knoll site. They bought the Los Angeles Times, and they're talking about knocking down the Pereira Edition, which is an important building. They're doing a lot of development in South Park, downtown L.A., mostly on sites that uh, we're less concerned about, their historic resonance. And this Afton project does concern us, not because they're knocking down necessarily a ton of historic buildings, um, but the way that they want to do it and the scale of it. There is rather a lovely and um, contributing historic resource uh, Art Deco market building at the corner there on the Vine Street side, and its facade is lovely and it should certainly be retained. But next to it is this wonderful little cluster of bungalows, which which are to be preserved, but they want to um, take them offline as residences and turn them into a sort of Disneyland of oldie timey houses that people will walk through and kind of destroy that aspect of the neighborhood. And then the building itself that is proposed, which is much larger than is um, legally permissible, so they're seeking some variances from uh, city council, it's essentially a giant amphitheater with open patios and and a pool it looks out over one of the most charming blocks in Hollywood, a block that contains um, twin Spanish colonial revival apartment houses, one of which the actress Marie Prevost died in, very tragically. The Aftonian. The Aftonian. And beyond that, um, a really important ashram, historical Hollywood ashram, the Aetherius Society, which is a wonderful little cluster of bungalows and spaces where communication took place between earthlings, and space gods. Very important stuff. I don't think it's appropriate to build a giant Las Vegas-style amphitheater towering over this lovely neighborhood. And, you know, there are people in the community who are really concerned because they have homes on this block. So we're concerned, too. It's a pretty heavy-duty project. Hollywood is always in the crosshairs, and uh, I think people get tired of fighting, but things are worth fighting for. And... This is not the kind of thing you build on a corner in a in a neighborhood.
2: This is this is going to be a big one. This is going to be a this is going to be this is going to be a, this is going to be a Guadalcanal. This is going to be a very very serious fight on both sides. So we're um we I, th- I think the first salvo of arrows has already flown. So we're just we're we're just we're waiting for the next for the next volley. So, so Kim, I, what? what do I, uh,
0: no, everything's fine. I, I just observed while we were on our South Los Angeles road trip tour last week, where we'd head due south from downtown LA through all of these really interesting, unincorporated and small communities. You know what? There is so much of Los Angeles that is just vacant lots and ready to be developed and it's unconscionable that the only development that's really happening is in one tiny pocket of downtown and one tiny pocket of Hollywood. And the pressure that this is putting on Angelinos and the lack of livability that will result from it, it's nuts. You know, you want, you want to give some variances, give them down on Alameda. There's so much room down there, and it's such a great part of the world.
2: Mark Ridley Thomas should listen. We'll continue that discussion. So, Kim, the the infamous Reeves Mansion in Downey, former Judge Reeves residence, straight line south of downtown to the courthouse, 13 miles. Used to drive it a couple times a week. Um, It's on the market again. Uh, Where to begin about the Reeves Mansion? Wire fraud? uh, Illegal residences? City of Downey evicting everyone, Uh, bank sale.
0: some years of not paying the mortgage, and yet still was in the possession of people who let it deteriorate to the state. And yet, it's a really cool house. And I think the fact that everyone's worried sick about it may be the reason that Downey is finally talking about getting a, a historic preservation landmark ordinance, which would be a really great thing to put this house on, number one on the list. So here's the thing. Um... Probably someone within the sound of my voice is going to buy this house. It may not be you, but you may know this person. The person who buys this house, I think they'll be the fourth owner. It's yeah. it's an incredible place. I mean, things happen there. They're not always happy things, but usually they're happy things. They've, it's been a happy house much longer than a sad house, and everyone in Downey. Yeah. It was the center of Swedish culture when the, the last years of the Swedish Vekoblad newspaper were published there. Everyone in Downey, everyone in, in s- South Los Angeles County loves this house and cares about it. And I think it has some pretty flexible zoning. So someone potentially could go there and become a, a really prominent player in the cultural life of South. Los Angeles County. And I just put that out there, and I'm going to... It's not listed as yet. It may be by the time this podcast is published. It's a Century 21 listing. Stephen Padilla is the broker. 562-231-2881. It's a fixer-upper, kids, but it's a beauty. Check it out.
2: Okay, well, just moving a little to the west, we're going to bump up to the city of Bell Gardens to the Gage Mansion better known to the world perhaps as Rancho San Antonio Casa Rancho San Antonio California landmark number 984 984 um, because i write lots of letters to the state department of justice charities registry and have to cite it um, so uh, there was an article about this house this house this house which is surrounded by a trailer park the Casa mobile home park Um, this location is a really important location on our South LA tour, with which the Reeves Mansion we just spoke of is too. Um, things are really bad in South Los Angeles. There there are lots of problems with preservation, lack of ordinances, and lack of oversight. And this is really, this is really the, (laughs) this is such a nightmare. And then Los Angeles Magazine decided to write about it and for better or for worse took none of the direction we offered
0: yeah it it was frustrating because I think it's the same issue. They named us Best of LA, Best True Crime Tours. Thanks, guys. Uh, We do appreciate that, but um, they reached out to us asking if we had a picture of the house because Chris Nichols from LA Magazine, of course, has taken this tour and has visited the house with us. And uh, they wanted a historic photo, and we said, you know, we do have a very rare historic photo, but you should have the writer call us. And I think that was a reasonable thing to do, you know, because this is a house we have sweated blood over for a decade. And the story of what's going on over there, You can't get the story of what's going on. It hasn't been published. You have to talk to us. You can go down to the trailer park and talk to the people who live there.
2: Which is what they did. Which is
0: what they did. And you'll get the story that, oh, my gosh, we'd so love to open this house to the public, but, you know, there's a little controversy on our board. It's a lot more complicated than that. And it's sadder than that. I mean, God bless them. You know, there are people there who care, some of whom have died, Uh, (laughs) some of whom have not. But it's it's far beyond what the people on the board want or don't want to do, and it includes things like people in charge of making decisions on how board money is going to be spent deciding to hire a muralist to paint historical uh, replicas of photographs inside the courtyard of what might be the oldest house in Southern California, which is an, a bad preservation decision. Anyway, we care about this house so much, it's... It couldn't be more fascinating. And the fact that a trailer park surrounds it and it, it's some of the most affordable housing in Los Angeles County on a wonderful site on the river. We love that. We're we're in favor of senior housing that's really, really cool. Okay, but we're also
2: that, yeah, that can yeah.
0: Well, but yeah. I mean I think people could assume that when we say trailer park we're we're sneering or something and we're not. We love trailer parks. We believe in preserving them. But at the same time, you know, This place is too important for too many people, and it's such a golden thread going back to California era, California and to the governorship, the governor who saved the Redwoods. This cannot stay off the radar, and I I really do think L.A. was remiss journalistically in not telling the whole story because very few people have looked at what's going on down at the Gage Mansion, and it deserves a closer look. And, you know, I, I, I don't think... Being told, hey, there's more to the story, and then just ignoring it is the way to go. Come on, guys.
2: Okay, on the positive note, they can buy our guidebook. They
0: can. <laughs> <laughs>
2: when our guidebook comes out, you will know everything you need to know about this structure.
0: Or you can get on the bus. Or you can just call us if you care, especially if you want to write an article about it. There's a story to be told, and it's a spicy one.
2: Okay, Kim, this is this last one literally is your baby. My baby?
0: It's,
2: it's the Bradbury Lights. <sighs> well, okay, I, I, I can't do it. Huh, you well, need to I can do it.
0: All right, so, you know, we're, we're at a meeting down on Broadway. We're rarely downtown at night. Um, it was about Freedom of Information Act and business improvement districts and private policing and stuff that we're interested in from a social justice perspective. And the meeting was interesting, and we came out, and it was dark. And there we were on the corner, and I looked up at well, the Bradbury well, well, building. We were corner of 3rd and Broadway, and I looked up the, the, the Bradbury, which is a building, you know, the facade is... I won't say undistinguished, but it's not what it's famous for, you know. The Bradbury is the most extraordinary, fantastical, futuristic 19th century interior in the world. It happens to be right here on Broadway in Los Angeles. But, you know, it's a gorgeous building, and I like the massing, and I look up at it, and it is covered in the brightest, loudest, yellowest LED light stripes you've ever seen in your life. And I have a problem with LEDs in general, because LEDs, while they're... They have their purpose, and they are very inexpensive. You know, you shouldn't take out a classic neon sign like Felix the Cat and replace it with LEDs. That hasn't gone well. But the LEDs that have been used to illuminate the Bradbury, which is part of sort of wrapping up the 10-year term of the Bringing Back Broadway initiative, which we have plenty of preservation concerns about. Some very bad aesthetic decisions have been made along that street, and really a terrible choking out of what was you know, when we started giving our tours and talking about Broadway, a thriving business district, which is now pretty much dead, except at the top and the bottom. It's very sad. A lot of vacancies, terrible graffiti, which goes untouched for years at a time and keeps getting added to. But Bringing Back Broadway is now done. It it had a lifespan. The lifespan is over, and they had money to spend. And several years ago, they did um, determine that they were going to give these grants Uh, to certain buildings, distinguished buildings on Broadway, for facade lighting. Some of the owners of the building had very specific ideas about what it was that they wanted, and they really just wanted this money to be used to reinvigorate existing lighting schemes. So you know, probably their architect had already told them this is what you should light. In the case of the Bradbury, it wasn't really on our radar because it came out so long ago, this this grant, and we didn't see the work, but it it talked specifically about lighting the friezes um, on the upper levels. And these are the Sullivan-esque decorative elements that are sort of wonderful meandering vines. And they're cool, they're lovely. But this is a building that has a lot of arches most most prominently uh, down at ground level, the, the giant arch of entry, which says Bradbury on it. And it's not a horizontally distinguished building. And now you have these lurid, far too yellow LED lights just creating racing stripes in the wrong places, leaving most of the building sh- shrouded in darkness. And it was just heartbreaking to walk out and see that like $170,000 had been spent so senselessly to make something, you know, it didn't really illuminate the street, uh, didn't make the building look better. It made us really sad and kind of depressed. And we took a picture and put it on social media, as you do, and the um, response was really interesting because I'd say 85% of the people were just like, oh, my God, that's horrible. And some people had already noticed it themselves in real in person and had been remarking on how bad it was. And some people didn't see what was wrong with it. And I find that fascinating that, you know, everybody has a different set of eyes. And if you're trained in uh, architectural design and you understand what lighting can do, you see this very differently. Some people just said, oh, it's so great that there's some light on the street. Well, okay. I I almost wish I could be happy there's some light on the street. But as I said in our newsletter, this can be fixed. It's going to cost some more money. You have to actually... um, you know, change where these lights are sitting. If they could be a little yes, ye- yellow, that would be great. It is a brown building, browning yellow, a little tough. And beyond that, um, at the moment, the building, and this is a wonderful opportunity for any creatives out there, the building is being renovated. They have almost no tenants. Soon people will be back in those office spaces and will see lights on at night, and that is going to change the way that the, the illumination reads. So kind of a bummer but i'm hopeful that it'll improve and this is just our life you know you come out of a meeting and suddenly you have a preservation sad moment but the nice thing about lights is they're not permanent and the nice thing about leds is they burn out so stay tuned
2: you did it thank you kim that's it for closely watched trains i think we would be remiss if we did not at this point mention the rise of the cranky preservationist,
0: yeah. So we have this dear friend Nathan Marsak, If you
2: everyone knows yeah, Nathan. I know. and...
0: Well, I was going to say is if you spend any time around us, you've, you've definitely encountered Nathan. We we go way way back with the little guy, and he actually reintroduced us um, after many years apart. We hated each other in college, but we both loved Nathan, and, and all those years later, he he brought us back together, and hence the esoteric empire was born. So we were out and about with Nathan, and he just became incensed about a really stupid preservation issue, as he so often does. And I said, hang on a second, can I just film you saying that? There we were on Bunker Hill, the Heisenberg mural on the side of the telephone exchange building was rusty and falling apart, and, and he had some opinions about it. And he just went into this wonderful character that I promptly dubbed the Cranky Preservationist. And I've created a series of videos that we put up on our Facebook and YouTube channels. And they've gone a bit viral, and I think they're just wonderful. And it's a great opportunity for us to throw Nathan in the backseat of the car and and go gallivanting around to places that make him and us cranky and make these little minute-and-a-half, two-minute capsule preservation cries from the heart. So I think you'll want to check them out. They're a lot of fun. You never know where he'll turn out or what will make him cranky. So that's what I want you to know about Nathan.
2: Thank you, Kim. Good job. Okay, okay. One more. One more topic. No, we're done with trains. Upcoming events. I will do this. Quickly. Get us through. Okay, so um, speaking of Nathan, our August salon, Sunday, August 27th, is Nathan.
0: Nothing but Nathan. Na-
2: it's the cranky preservationist talking about the old Richfield building. The Richfield, the style's Oak Clements, 1927, Art Deco.
0: 28.
2: 28. Black and gold, setback, skyscraper, jam at 6th and flower, which was demolished in 68 for the Arco Tower. And Nathan's going to talk about the Richfield building. He's so also going to talk about its replacement, the Arco Tower, which is also in peril. It's just going to be great. And then at the end, as, as all as with all salons for the last 18 months, the talk is intrinsically connected to the walk, which follows it. So once we're done with Nathan's 400 slides, which will show us in under 40 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> we will walk over to the Arco Tower's, to the public art installation, which is made up of former elevator doors from the Richfield Building, bronze elevator doors. It's a really nice installation piece, and that will be our our locus of control.
0: Is that our inspiration for what can happen with the LA County Museum?
2: No, okay. no, but but that's a good that's a good thing to say. Um, our tenth anniversary is this year, and so um, we're doing lots of neat stuff. Um, I think our 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 next uh our next special event is the Mike Digby, forensic science um bus, it's, it's it's the forensic science bus. Now we we're doing a tour about the L.A. Times bombing. Mike is a arson and former arson investigator, former arson investigator with the sheriff's department, like 35 years on the force. He teaches uh, at the federal level, and this is his curriculum for his introductory bomb arson investigator class that he teaches twice a year so it's going to be great we're going to drive around L.A. Times MacArthur Park Hollywood. Uh, we'll go to the memorial it's going to be great we're going to retrace the steps of the bombing have I forgotten anything Kim?
0: well I was just going to say if you take that tour you get a copy of Mike's new book about L.A. bombers and if you just fall in love with him and want to go on more of his tours you can follow him to Europe and he'll give you tours no of-
2: no, you, you, you can't no, no. oh never no. mind you can't. Those are those are no.
0: Those aren't those are, those are
2: not open to the public. Oh, okay. No, They're, but he
0: he is a trained tour guide in that he gives tours in Europe, obviously to VIPs. So you can't be one of them, but you can ask him about it.
2: Okay, all right. Thank you, Kim. Okay, so I think I think we're we're good to go here. I think we're good to get to the interviews. So let's see, um, things. So we're gonna we're gonna interview Yolanda first. So I will introduce Isabel. First. Okay, so Isabel is 15 years old. She's a very gifted artist, and Yolanda has asked her to create this mural about female empowerment. Uh, and we're going to get into all of that. Uh, our first, we will interview Yolanda first. Uh, so we're going we're to segue right into that. Uh, just again, some some backstory. Y- Yolanda purchased, this is Yolanda's the third owner of this market. So Ray and Roy starts. In 48, 47, 48, Ray and Roy, father and son, just come out of the internment uh, for World War II, and they start this market. It's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. So let's take it away with our interview with Yolanda. Isabel, Isabel, I'm here with you. We're in Boyle Heights. We're in 4th Street. I want you to properly, briefly introduce yourself, and then we'll just roll up our sleeves and get to work on why I'm interviewing you.
3: Okay. Hello, my name is Isabel Pianato. I'm working on a mural in Fourth Street.
2: Perfect. And would you would you mind telling us how how old you are? Because you're a little younger than most people we interview on this podcast.
3: Yes, I am a 15 year old Latina girl.
2: <laughs> Perfect. And you are in you're entering 10th grade next yes. month.
3: Yes, I'm entering 10th grade next month.
2: And tell us where you go to school.
3: I go to L.A. County High School of the Arts.
2: Perfect, and that is on campus at Cal State Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. So you're 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 not too far from your stomping grounds.
1: Nope.
2: Okay. All right, good. All right, so we are here because uh, you are painting a mural, and I want you to tell us about the market. First of all, I want you to tell us about the market where the mural is and where it is, and then we'll just sort of peel back the layers of the onion.
3: Okay, so uh, the market is called Ray and Royce, and, and it was on six, 60 years from a line of Japanese people And then it got all the way down to this man named Sam Sam, who had his wife and two daughters And it got passed down to Ms. Diaz Who's taking great care of the shop like she promised Sam that she take really good care of the shop, make sure everything is going great.
2: Perfect. And Ms. Diaz will be in the uh, the other interview in this podcast episode. So for everyone wondering about Ms. Diaz, hold on. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. And so we are at 4th and Maude or 4th and Matthews? 4th and Camulose. Thank you. 4th and Camulose. Okay, very close. All right, so Isabel... Um, so miss diaz was 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 you, you, you so what happened? so there's this wonderful market which goes back to to jump
3: mm-hmm. in
2: this in this neighborhood, right? This has been here forever what how 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 did this mural come to be?
3: Well, so one day I was walking like in downtown l a with my friend, and then so we were looking at all the murals, and I was just joking around with her. I was like, "I want to paint a mural." And so she got in contact with her dad, who is Mr. Weezar. And so... Um, Mr.
2: Weezar being the council member for the 14th District of the City of Los Angeles.
3: Yes, and he was very kind enough to actually bring it to reality because as much as like I was joking, I really like wanted to do it. And so I'm really thankful that he got me to have this amazing mural. And then I'm extra happy that it's in a super important spot and I just I didn't know what I wanted to do with the mural, but I knew I wanted it to have something to do with women and empowerment and feminism, which I think is extremely important.
2: Perfect. And just as we as as, as we've just mentioned, Council Member Wezar, he of course championed a mural recent mural ordinance. So it's it's good of his office to put their money where their mouth is, put some skin in the game, and actually put this ordinance to the test and actually start producing. Murals, uh, giving giving permission to murals that 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 that, that were, are, are possible because of this ordinance is just passed. So this is good. So you 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 got this idea that you want to create this mural about female empowerment. Mm-hmm. So just um, does it have a title?
3: It is called Women Empowerment.
2: Perfect. Okay, and. It's going to be on the corner. It's on the s- the western corner. So we're at 4th and Camulus, southwestern corner of the market. And why don't you start... S- southeast, s- thank you. Southeastern corner, thank you. Thank- that's right, southeastern corner. Why don't you start to tell us about the individuals that you portray in this mural?
3: Okay so I have 16 very important women on this mural. I have them of all different races and all different backgrounds like their jobs that they had and how they play a really important roles in little girls and all women. And so I have um Helen Keller who was a girl that was blind and deaf, and she learned sign language to like communicate with others. And then I have. And, and
2: Helen Keller is is Jewish, yes. and, I, and I have to toot the, the I, have, I have to toot that horn because, of course, my my Jewish roots come from Boyle Heights too.
3: <laughs> Do you want me to explain all the women? Or yeah. There? Yes.
2: Yeah. Everyone wants you to go. The whole take your take a, <laughs> a breath.
3: We all want to hear it. Okay. And then I have uh, Princess Diana on there, which is. Um, I think she's really important, and I love her. And then Ms. Diaz's daughter really, really loves her, and she wanted, like, she, they all, like, kind of, like, put in, like, thought into, like, different women that they thought were important also. So it's not only, like, I made all the decisions. It's, like, I had a bunch of different people helping me to, like, create, like, which women should be on the mural also. And then, so, she's on there. That's two. That's two. And then and third one is, let's see, who's down below? Oh, down below is a little girl. Who is painting the mural? And I just wanted—I wanted someone there as like she's painting all these very important women that like inspire her. And I wanted to be as any either boy or girl that sees themselves as an artist.
1: Good. Yeah,
3: that's then, great.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay if we miss a couple, but let's okay. just. Yeah.
3: For I'm like trying to think. There's Mae Jamieson, who was one of the very first African American female astronauts, and then down below is uh, i think Selena and so she's a really important singer yes. and I love her songs como la flor I love her. that's my favorite one but I love her songs a lot and then next to her is Sonia Sotomayor which was a judge is a judge, uh, is, is he judge sup- supreme mm-hmm. court and then there's Frida Kahlo, and I wanted an artist in there. And I just love her artwork, and I think it's so inspiring how she still painted even though she was, like, really hurt yeah. in the wheelchair. And then um, there's Sir Juana Inez de la Cruz, who was, and I painted her before she became a nun because she was, in the 1600s, she was a poet and she was known as a muse like one of zeus's daughters because she was like so ahead of her times like she was a feminist and the way that she wrote her po- poetry was just so beautiful and inspiring and then i have next to her i have dolores huerta which was the person next to cesar chavez and i just feel like she doesn't get enough credit for um all the things that she's done <laughs> And then there is Malala, who is the very young Pakistanian girl who got shot in the head because she's trying to um, fight for education for females, which I think is really important, and then also because, like, she's so young and just so inspiring. And then next to her is um, Rosa Parks, who we all know. She, she sat down. <laughs> she sat down and and she's just, I think she's very important. And then Susan B. Anthony, who was one of the very first um, feminist activists. And then...
2: Suffrage, women's right to vote.
3: Oh. Yeah, that's...
2: Yes. yes. She, was a, she was a suffragette.
3: That's what I meant. Yeah. And then um, next to her is um, the girl from Farewell to Manzanar, Janie I I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Yes, I Wakasaki. Wakasaki. Right, Wakasaki.
2: and so right, so the Japanese American community of Boyle yes. Heights is represented—a very important community.
3: Yes, and she uh, wrote the book called *Farewell to Manzanar*. It was like her diary. And then next to her is Ellen DeGeneres. And I wanted something that had to do with pride and women because I really support that. And I also think because she gives so much back to other people. And I just I I think she's super important, and I love that that she does that for other people. Laughing. Yeah. yeah, she's funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's very funny. Okay, good. So, um, let's get to the technique. So you are painting on a stuccoed surface. Yes. So you have your you have your scaffold up there. Your uncle. Why don't you let's talk about your crew first of all because your your support crew is important. Okay. Um...
3: It's not only me. I have a group of other LOXA students, actually, that are helping me. Um, Most of the—I know it's summer, so, like, I'm really thoughtful about, like, I understand that this isn't, like, mandatory for them to do, and I want them to enjoy their summer, but they are here to help me, and they have helped me quite a bit with it. And then I have my uncle, who stays and helps me also with some of the stuff. And then um, my dad helped me out some bit, and then my brother came for a little bit, and he helped me out.
2: And, and your mother, who is who is sitting next to you, nodding very happily throughout this interview, yes. is here too?
3: She is the most supportive person I've ever met, and she's very, very, very proud of me. Yes,
1: well-
2: She's correct. <laughs> um, so you've got this great support crew. Yeah. You are working on a stuccoed wall with late, uh, latex paint, or uh, and I'm, I just sort of assume that. But tell, tell us what paint you're using.
3: I'm using uh, all water-based. It's acrylic yeah. paint. I'm getting it from like Home Depot sure. and Nova, and a bunch of different places also. Blix. Perfect.
2: And. Um, is there going to be any treatment or of the of the mural once it's done, like a like a, a waterproofing or a weather coating of some kind?
3: Um, yeah, we actually got in contact with um, the city. Yes, they actually um, we're, we were trying to get a base like a coating after it's all done, so that if they do tag it or graffiti right. it, that we can just like wash it off and then reapply it. Because like I don't want it to get damaged, and I hope people respect it because um, it's just. I just feel like there's so many, like, amazing women up there, and I just, like, I don't want it to get ruined. Right,
2: and note to Judith, your mom, as we do this interview, uh, President of Public Works, Kevin James, is probably a very good person to make sure his graffiti, the person in charge of graffiti abatement, comes to the opening mm-hmm. so they understand how important it is that they get their contractor to do a very good protective coating on this. And I, I, I know that President James will make sure that happens. Okay, okay good. So, good. good answer. Um let's talk about um, you as an Angelino okay let's let's not worry if, if we talk about your art good but let's just talk about you as a 15 year old girl growing up in Los Angeles tell us where you like to go
3: where I like to go, I like to go to the Huntington Library with the the gardens. Yes. The Huntington Gardens, yes. and I also I like to go to um, the Griffith Observatory near the carousel, like the park. I I think I'm a very adventurous person. Like I like walking around the city and like um, down downtown LA and uh, the Arts District. Also, I really like to do that.
2: Perfect, um, perfect, good.
3: Yeah. Hmm? I love Silver Lake. I love going thrift shopping and looking at different clothes. <laughs> Stuff. I love silver lake
2: perfect, all right these perfect um is there anything that you haven't said that you sort of as as you're doing this hoped, oh wait, I wanted to say that, but I forgot
3: oh yeah, um not only is this a uh, women empowerment mural but it's also um to support the arts because recently a lot of not recently but like over the past like twenty years like arts high schools, and colleges aren't getting funded as much. Right. And I think that it's important that they stay because I know, like, I'm really interested in the arts and I would love to go to a college for it and then have that as my job. And I feel like a bunch of younger people do. And then the other thing that I, like, really want to say about the mural is that I feel like anyone could do anything. And then, like, I know some parents are like, you can't be part of the arts because of, like, college. Like, you have to do a sport to get a... what What right. is it called? To a get a stop. scholarship. But so I feel like you shouldn't... You shouldn't, like, do it just to, like, I feel like you should do it to, I don't know. <laughs> you limit. Yeah, no. you shouldn't limit yourself to what you love. Like, you should go for it and strive for it. If you're willing to do, like, the best and work really, really hard for it, then go for it. Like, you shouldn't have anyone stopping you at all, even if it is your parents.
2: Empowerment. That's mm-hmm. right. Becoming the best you you can yes. be. Okay, this is fantastic. Okay. I love the mural. I'm glad that Council Member we saw has... Stepped up to the plate on this. Um, is there anything else you want to tell these people? This is super exciting. If they want to come by, so we're gonna we're gonna push this out pretty soon after this has been recorded. So you're here. You're here a lot. You're here. Pretty much nine to nine every day, so people wanted to stop by, bring you lunch, maybe you and your mom lunch. I know your yeah. uncle would be happy.
3: Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, um, donations is also a thing. I have an Instagram for it actually. Oh good. It's called Fourth Street Mural with the with the number four, and um, um,
2: and and we'll put the yeah. link to okay. the Instagram page on the the episode pa- the podcast episode page. So just. Go to the podcast episode page. We'll have that URL. And that's a good way for people to make donations?
3: Yes. And then um, I have a link to it with uh, the GoFundMe app that I have. Oh, and also I forgot to say, which is very important, this is a Girl Scout project. This is my Girl Scout Gold Award project that I'm doing. I can't believe I forgot to say that. Exactly. This is for my Girl Scout Gold Award project, and this is my community service that I'm doing, and this is how I'm giving back to the community. And hopefully, it stays for several years and like oh,
2: generations. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. so, <laughs> 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 yeah, don't don't worry, my dear. You you've 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 got a lot of public policy behind keeping this around <laughs> okay, for a bit.
3: Yeah. yeah it's
2: Good. Good. So uh, this is your girls. And anything else we've forgotten? Um,
3: Hopefully not. <laughs> okay. um,
2: what do you, What do you want people to know about this mural? If everyone, if people decide to come out and and come visit and look at the mural while it's in progress, what's the one thing you want them to think about as as they make the drive east, west, north, south, wherever they come from to come see you?
3: I just hope it inspires them and it empowers them, and then that they just like feel like happy seeing it and like motivated and yeah.
2: Perfect. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, Judith. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Isabel's mom is is gonna tell us something, so we're no we're gonna wait here.
1: She also wanted
3: to, um, one of her purposes of, of uh, painting the mural was to remind everybody that we're a
2: country of immigrants. Oh, yeah. Right, so do you, do you want to repeat that, Isabel, on microphone? Because I, I can't reach your um, mom with the mic.
3: I wanted to repeat that. The other reason why I'm doing it is because we're a country of immigrants, and that's what makes this country diverse and beautiful. And, like, I think it's really important that they stay here and uh, if they're doing really good. And, Yeah. Like yes. I have I have Dolores Huerta up there who is an immigrant and who's yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um art has a big impact on public policy. So thank you for bringing that up. And so we're going to leave it at that. I'm going to thank you again. We're going to put all these URLs, the Instagram, the GoFundMe and uh the address. And so thank you again.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: My name is Paul Sand <laughs> And I'm here in Santa Monica, and you're listening to You Can't Eat the Sunshine.
2: Angela, Angela, I'm here with you at your market, Ray and Roy's, in Boyle Heights. I want you to properly introduce us, tell us your name, and tell us about this market that you've just reopened.
4: Okay, so my name is Angela Yolanda Diaz, and I go by Yolanda, Yola, in the community. I uh, bought this market, the third owner. The market has a long history, it's been around for 80 years. It was owned for 60 years. The market was owned and ran by a, a Japanese family, whose um, Roy Takahara was um, hauled off um, during the um, internment camps, World War II, and with his young son. And they went and they, um, you know, did their time in the internment camps as the war um, progressed and got, you know, we concluded. They came out. They couldn't return back to their home in South L.A., so they settled down the community of Boyle Heights, which a lot of Japanese-Americans did. Yes. And so um, they came here. Um, The father ran the market for 30 years, Roy, and then the son um, ran it for another 30 years. And then um, about...
2: So, so like, the early 1990s, it finally was transferred ownership for the first time. First
4: time. It was, uh, yeah, and they actually owned the property for um, like 79 years until (laughs) I bought it last year, but, yeah. And so the history, it um, changed hands to Sam, and Sam ran it for 20 years, and then I um, got the the store, and we've actually tried to bring back um, this sense of revival into the Boyle Heights community. And you not forget all of the people who have blessed us throughout the years with their knowledge, their education, their you know, suffering, their teachings. And um, I had actually promised uh, Mr. Takahara when I bought the property, even before I had the store, that I would take care of it. I would take care of it, and um, I painted it. I wanted it to look beautiful. Um, there was some pushback. With the community, you know, graffiti, you know, writing on walls, and I grew up here in Boyle Heights. You know, I'm, you know, Latina, you Mexican descent, and I, I, you know, I would just wake up in the morning, four or five o'clock, and and paint it. You know, Don Edwards knew me firsthand, buying the five <laughs> gallon five gallon paints of Calico exterior paint, and I, I. Have been working ever since. I actually came. I would call the consulman's office,
2: and uh, Jose Weizar. Yes,
4: and that's how we were able to get that the mural. Oh well,
2: let, let, let's let's hold on. Let's we'll, we'll come back to the mural. Yes. So just give us. Uh, let's just sort of wrap up this process of of opening, which yes. is a big deal. No,
4: opening is a big deal. I mean, if you think that um, the, the um, Sam Lee, the owner prior to me, he was um, eighty nearly eighty years old and a lot of the fixtures the original things are still here beautiful fixtures yes, the um, you know the Japanese built a lot of the wooden um, shelves we have this walk-in um, refrigerator that keeps the the beer and it's super cold <laughs> and no matter all of the latest refrigerators everyone still says this is the best um, <laughs> Walk-in cooler in the in the neighborhood, so everyone has been trickling in. We have our regulars, and everyone is like, "Oh, it smells good. Oh, it's neat. It's you know, we try to keep it you know dust-free as much as we can, and and we we kind of like this old-time charm. And I I for me actually when I did acquire the store, I um, felt important. To keep the roots and the identity of Ray and Roy's Market that has been named that for 80 years, so Sam didn't change it, and I said neither can I. So um, we had this um, beautiful um, artists kind of bring in a tie and a Japanese kind of thing to it and the colors and just the softness of the color that we painted the building, in hopes that you know generations to come can enjoy what 80 years of Boyle Heights has enjoyed so far.
2: I love it, we're, we're almost to the mural, we're almost there. Okay. You're opening up, there's a patio that you're yes. gonna open up, yes. you're working on getting an awning built. Yes. I wanna hear about, um, we, 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 we can't say who, but we yes. can say in the abstract, you will be having a prepared food vendor yes. in here, so you can come by, so we're not gonna say who, I know you're actively yes. working on this, but give us a glimpse.
4: Well one of the things that we have been working on is kind of bringing back the tradition of the Japanese um, Americans that own this um, place and at one time in the 80 years they actually had food, deli meats, an extensive array, a variety of vegetables, It, it was amazing all the stuff that we found. And so in bringing that spirit back of food and family, you know, we decided to, you know, see if it was something that we can do. And it turns out there was permits yep. here 60 years and there was one time food. So we are going to That's once perfect. again bless Boyle Heights with food. And and everyone who is in our community knows the richness of the culture and the food that still exists today yes. with You know, Mexican food, Japanese food, everything that you can think of. So good.
2: Okay, good. Um, I think we're ready to to step full into community building and have you talk about Isabel and the mural.
4: Yes, um, a revival of a community is um, has always been close to my heart and dear as an Angelino and a native of Boyle Heights. Uh, Like when I acquired the building. Um, the pushback was here I mean they would graffiti the side of my wall and nearly three four times a week uh an arrangement of letters and words and i' you know I'd wake up at five a m to paint you know the you know the na- the other neighbors in the community would kind of stand guard and put their lights on so as to give me your safe out here and um because you know there is. People that, you know, they paint their buildings and there's pushback. People have have lost their lives in Boyle Heights just painting graffiti. And so I called the councilman's office and I said, something needs to be done. You have Cesar Chavez, you know, formerly known as the people who live here, Brooklyn. I still call it Brooklyn.
2: God, God bless. You. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Brooklyn, and then you had First Street that's getting a lot of attention and I thought what about Fourth Street? Fourth Street needs attention. And he came back with this little girl named Isabel Pineda and he said, "I'm going to be sending this girl over and, you know, talk to her and let's see how it goes." And so then in walks in this little girl in some overalls and you know, very simple, calm demeanor. I thought, mm, okay, it's her first mural. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah. She's, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I thought, yeah, uh, you know, she's 15. I remember when I was 15, you know, for many of us in Boyle Heights, I hope I don't get pushed back for this, you know, we have babies young. Yeah. And I was um, 14 when I had my daughter. And so I thought, Okay, well, she's doing something positive, let's go for it. And so she showed me, I remember seeing the sketch. I didn't really pay too much attention to the sketch. Um, I was more so just in awe of her maturity. I didn't tell her that at the time as I was sitting there in my coffee, you know, on my kitchen table, I, you know, looking at this little girl and her mom. And I thought, wow, you know, that's inspiring for me. And, you know, the next couple of days, she worked on it more, and she came out. And this time, she came out with her father. And for about a week and a half, I just saw grids. You know, they, they had this chalk. Yeah. 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 So we, yeah. you know, they did, worked on that. And then I saw these, like, chalk figures. And in my head, I thought, oh, well, you know, she's 15. And, and then she painted in Mother Mary and, you know, I'm a nurse, I have two daughters, and I'm now a business owner, and I've been so busy, and one of the days, you know, I was feeling overwhelmed, and I'm closing up, the gate wouldn't close, I mean, it's been there forever, <laughs> and, and I thought, gosh, what's happening here, and I turn over, and I look up, and the light, my sensor light is reflecting on Mother Mary, and like I said, when she came out, I didn't really pay attention to who she had on there. And then when I saw Mother Mary, I thought, why am I complaining? What has she suffered through? Sure. And then I, and then I, I kind of crossed the street and I looked over and I started looking at everybody. And I thought, I'm not alone. No. Like all of the girls, all of the women... Everybody in my community, on an international level, was there. And they had all been through something. And I, like I said, I have never, I've never been wowed by a 15-year-old. I thought, going back to Isabelle, I was like, oh, she's 15. I Every day I wake up now not to look at the graffiti or to see if they, you know, graffitied it. Now I wake up early as a breath of fresh air to come out and look at the mural and kind of put life into perspective. You know, you could be who you want to be. We're not free of heartache and suffering, but guess what? All of these women have done it and so can you. And yeah, and my favorite, I must say, besides the Virgin Mary, and I I think I have connection to Princess Diana on the professional level with her bringing um, AIDS, giving a face to all the children right. who suffered. Right. That's like a big deal for me as, you know, who I am as a nurse. I, my favorite is the woman, just this non, this just woman who knows her name, holding her baby in her hand. I don't know if she's feeding, you know, nurturing, right. hugging her baby, but, you know, when I see that lady with her baby, I think that's the next generation. And so um, I offer that as a blessing and a gift to Boyle Heights. Isabel, you know, actually went to Cal State LA, my alma mater. That's right. She and she,
2: she goes to the yeah, high well, school, school yeah, there. Yeah, the high
4: school, yeah, which, is, which, is a,
2: which is a great um, a great gift to the community.
4: Yes, and I and and now I see because I've always been like you have to have a science degree, or you have to have a way to make a living, and how are you going to do this, like? You have to survive. And now sitting back looking at art on a different level, you know, she's doing this for free. However, one day I know she'll be worth tens and thousands of dollars. Oh, sure. So now you look at this art and you think, now my push is so everyone else can be inspired and look at a career in the arts. It's not as, you know as naively as I thought it was. And so I hope that, you know, everyone going to Roosevelt or Hollenbeck or Telpa or St. Mary's, there's so many schools around us, about seven schools in the immediate blocks around Ray and Roy's. That's how important this is. I hope that they're inspired by it. And actually, kind of to sidetrack it, there's um, someone over at Drew Um, another nurse a latina nurse who wants to come over and um, do grant work to see if we can give like fruits and vegetables and you know the you know when i my sister told me this i thought it's a like a blessing from the tacaharas right so yeah so there's a lot of good things coming and you know, we have an Instagram page. <laughs> good,
2: good. So let's, so let's, let's, let's bring this home. We, we've, we've talked to you a lot this week. Um, and we, we, we agreed when we sat down that we were just going to ask you at the end to just give us your thoughts looking forward because Boyle Heights is really changing. Yes. We are we're looking to the next... So the, what do you want people to think about the next generation of Boyle Heights?
4: The next generation of Boyle Heights in my feeling and in my view has gone full circle. It is going back to the way it was in the early nineteen hundreds and nineteen twenties, where the Jewish community came together in a new country and kind of lived together. The Japanese, when they felt solace and we are gonna come here and grow again, to the you know the Latinos who came in. And this revival of a community and the diversity that Boyle Heights has to offer, I see it as it's coming full circle. We have coffee shops. You know, we have the revival of the little mom-and-pop stores. We have, you know, with an added benefit of food and everything else. And I just love it. And the diversity, the music, we're right across the street from a park, the playing... If you listen you know, closely on Friday and Saturdays and Thursday nights, you actually have people singing, you know. And not only in Spanish, in English, you have artists that kind of walk through here, and they have their guitars. So it's, it's a whole changing, positive um, view, and you look at the future and you think, wow, once again, it's come full circle with the diversity, and I'm all about that. So I don't think, um, you know, um, that the negative around Boyle Heights, oh, it has to stay. I think going back to how it always has been, I think is a good thing.
2: All right. You did it. I want you to remind everyone. The name of this market, the cross streets, approximately where it is, okay. and the hours, and we're going to take this on home.
4: Okay, it's Ray and Roy's Market. It's at the corner of Camulos and Ford Street, which is just east of Soto, and yep. between Soto and Evergreen, right across from the Evergreen Park. Our hours are daily. Um, summer hours are eight thirty to nine o'clock, nine thirty. Kind of, we kind of go yeah. with the community. You know, once, and as soon as school starts, our our hours will you know, you. Um, yeah. yes, start. will open up a little earlier to help the students grab a bite to eat or, you know, right. offer them whatever they they want. So.
2: All right, excellent, and so and and we can look forward to uh, prepared food. Soon.
4: Yes, and Instagram. Yeah. We, yes, we have Ray and Roy's Market, and we also have the Fourth Street Murals. So, hopefully, everyone could come and. Grab a water and enjoy the art on the side of the building because if you want to be wowed, this is the one. This is the only mural on Fourth Street. Yeah, so right. Boyle Heights, we were the founding the founders of the murals that's in right. all of Los Angeles. That's right. And our councilman brought the murals back, and Fourth the Fourth Street mural is the first mural since the whole mural has been brought back to. Los Angeles so it's an amazing mural I personally um, see don't think the pictures do it justice you have to come and stand in front of it and see these amazing women I in all of their strength and, and be odd I love it yes
2: thank you so much
4: thank you so much come to Rainbows. Royce my
0: name is Julie Rivet, and I'm here in Long Beach and you're listening to You Can't Eat the Sunshine
2: And we're done. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to our latest podcast, You Can't Eat the Sunshine, for the month of August 2017. Our guests this week were Yolanda Diaz, who recently purchased Ray and Roy's Market, which was founded by a Japanese father and son after their internment during World War II. We also spoke with Isabel Pinado. Isabel is 15 years old, and she's been invited by Yolanda to create an ambitious, hand-painted mural about female empowerment on the market's long west wall. We want to hear from you. We like the feedback loop, so Kim, could you please tell the listeners at home how to get into the feedback loop with us?
0: I mean, the best thing to do is to just send us an email. You can go through the contact link at com. You can come see us on an Esotwerk bus adventure or one of the Lava Sunday salons or forensic science seminars that we host. And if you're digging the podcast, uh, you can leave a review on iTunes, which helps people find it who are interested in the types of podcasts you're interested in. So let us know what you think. It's always fun to hear from listeners.
2: Good. Kim, home stretch. Mm-hmm upcoming bus tours you got the list right there Mm -hmm. take it away
0: okay we're gonna wrap up richard's series of california culture tours on august the 26th with boyle heights and monterey park the hidden histories of la's melting pot and guess what we're gonna go over to the market and and check out what's going on with the mural it could be very exciting you don't want to miss this bus and that's a, a new addition to the tour but you know These tours always evolve and change. That's why our regulars sometimes take them multiple times. But we do have special event tours that we're creating, so there's something new to do if you've done them all. A tour that you may not have done, because it's rarely on the calendar, it's sort of the sister tour of the Raymond Chandler tour. It's called The Birth of Noir. James M. Kane's Southern California Nightmare, it rolls on September the 9th and it takes us to Mildred Pierce's house in Glendale and locations from Postman Always Rings Twice and Double Indemnity. And we'll talk about how this New Yorker editor, this East Coast sophisticate, went down to Skid Row, heard the voice, the American logos, and turned it into this extraordinary series of stories and characters that became the American film noir tradition and we'll also be around Historic Skid Row on September the 16th for Hotel Horrors and Main Street Vice. It's what I call a downtown double feature. It's one of our crime bus tours, but it's also an opportunity to talk about the downtown that isn't there anymore, the wild and wooly, trashy main drag of Main Street where you could you could see a cobra snake fight with a mongoose, where you could see a mummified Old West outlaw and the hottest women in the world shaking it for money or dancing with you for a dime. Serial killers, we got them too. And some of the most extraordinary time capsule interiors, which fingers crossed and knock on wood are still untouched in a time of great redevelopment. So, uh... If, you're, if you love old Los Angeles weird stories and beautiful places, get on the bus for Hotel Horrors and Main Street Vice. Talking about special events on uh, September the 23rd, it's our latest 10th anniversary one-off tour. It's called The 1910 Bombing of the Los Angeles Times. With our host, Detective Mike Digby, you'll get a copy of Mike's brand-new book about uh, wild and woolly L.A. bombing cases. We'll follow in the footsteps of these labor agitators who sought to blow up a newspaper which. Actually, when you get right down to it, maybe needed some blowing up. Unfortunately, people died in the process. That probably was not intentional, but it's a fascinating investigation involving courtroom shenanigans and international intrigue and some really fascinating tales of early policing, forensic science, and old Los Angeles and it'll take us far afield. At the end of September the 30th, in fact, it's Hollywood. It's a crime bus tour with some architectural elements of my old neighborhood. We are the only tour company that is able to visit the site of Crossroads of the World, which is a fantastic art deco, fantastical imaginary environment, a shopping center built along the lines of a a moored cruise ship surrounded by houses and buildings of Europe, and a very noir location that inspired Raymond Chandler. You'll learn all about that. And I'm adding some new cases to this tour. We've found a wonderful little walking district with some of the most unhinged crimes you've ever heard. I think I have found my favorite suicide. Let me share it with you. I'm not going to tell you any more though. Get on the bus. October the 7th, it is The Real Black Dahlia, our most popular crime bus tour, and we start the Halloween month by walking in the footsteps of Bess Short, the victim in this still unsolved 1947 murder mystery. Um, If you've read a bunch of books about who killed the Black Dahlia, that's fine. Bring that information with you. But we're really going to stick to the original investigation, both by the police and by the newspapers, Bess Short's Last Year of Life in very ramshackle surroundings in Los Angeles, downtown in Hollywood. And uh, some of the more interesting theories of the time, and, and a couple that have come up afterwards. And, of course, there's a new book about the Black Dahlia case coming out that week by Pew Eatwell. That is Black Dahlia, Red Rose, and I think that uh, it'll be an interesting time to be talking about Dahliaology. Echo Park Book of the Dead on October 14th is a crime bus tour of the streetcar suburbs. We will swing around through Elysian Park, we'll walk on Carroll Avenue, we'll visit Sister Amy Semple McPherson's Magnificent House Museum, which does have the most beautiful bathroom in all of Los Angeles in it. You can't use it, but you can look around, you can touch the walls, maybe you can even hop in her bathtub, I won't tell. And we, uh, well, I'm not going to wrap up the month, because there is an October tour coming up that... Let yeah, me just... Um, yeah. uh, it's not listed, Richard. I'm just going to say our, 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 you, you, our you, Halloween you. weekend's going to be very exciting. That's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, and all I'm going to say is you have to get me
2: the copy for it.
0: I'll get you the copy and we'll announce our Halloween tour, which okay. no one's ever taken before. I'm excited about it. Look, the, prob- I, the problem is I'm a fusspot. When we I,
2: have to list the tour Monday.
0: We have to list it Monday? Okay. Then I guess I can say well, Boulevard Crime Tour. <laughs> Check it out. It'll be on our website to have with to list some copy. The tour Monday. Okay, okay. Well, now it's on tape, so... Wilshire Boulevard death trip. Only Wilshire. We're not leaving Wilshire. The greatest buildings, the wildest stories. Dark, wacky, wonderful. Wilshire. You'll love it. Okay, but I was trying to say, October 21st is the Raymond Chandler tour. Maybe we'll see you there.
2: Thank you, Kim. We did it. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to ask you to continue to listen. And I want to remind you...
0: You can't eat the sunshine.
1: You can't eat the sunshine, but you can make a beeline For the best of the coastline La 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 Skid Row, Solano Canyon, the Doria And Pico Union, the long-lost neighborhood Called herbina between South Pass and Highland Park Grand Central Park It is divine You can't eat the sunshine, but it's a gold mine